that, they came into a green prayer. And when that happened, the children of Israel during King Hezekiah's day and Isaiah the prophet got together. They all began to pray, and the people that were against them were the Assyrians. The king of the Assyrians was Sennacherib. We read where God, in answer to their prayer, sent one angel, and one angel, the Bible says, defeated the entire army of Assyria, and there were 185,000 of them wiped out with one angel. In the New Testament, I have always said this, and you will always find this to be true. What God has in the Old Testament, He does not remove in the New Testament. He fulfills it. And you will always find in the New Testament a teaching that will also solidify what you've read in the Old Testament. So I take you today to the book of Acts. I want you to follow with me in chapter 10. We're going to read through several scriptures today in that particular passage. And uh, while you turn there, there is a man in this passage of scripture who was a Gentile. He's not a Jew. He is a Roman. And his name is Cornelius. And Cornelius had some things active in his life which activated an angel, one angel, on his behalf. And in Acts chapter 10 and verse 1, I want you to look at this and follow along with me. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. Now, there was a certain man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort. Another word for cohort would be battalion. So Cornelius was not only a, uh, a centurion, but he, he, had some, he had some clout as a Roman soldier. So he was of what was called the Italian battalion, okay? Now watch verse 2. It says that he was a devout man. Everybody say he believed in God. Watch this. He feared God with all his household, and he gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. Now, alms were gifts of charity. It wasn't a tithe. It wasn't required. It was over and above, so we can see him giving. Now, watch this. About the ninth hour of the day, that would be around 3 p.m., He clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come into him and said to him, Cornelius, and fixing his gaze upon him and being much alarmed, he said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now those are the words of an angel and Who would know better than an angel the activity of angels? Watch this. He said, your prayers and alms has ascended as a memorial before God. Now, I want you to to skip down to verse 30, where we find Cornelius rehearsing his vision to Peter. 
Watch verses 30 through 33. And Cornelius said, four days ago to this hour, I was praying in my house during the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in shining garments. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Send, therefore, to Joppa and invite Simon, who is also called Peter, to come to you. He is staying at the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. And so I sent to you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. Now then, we are all here present before God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So here we have a Roman centurion who was fearing God, defilement was broken off of his life. He was given over and above. He was given alms and charity. He was praying before God, and out of a result of that, an angel of God comes to him. Then he goes down and begins to talk to Peter, and this is, church, I want you to understand something. The reason I'm sharing this with you, this is the birthing of the Gentile church, okay? Now, how did it happen? A man by the name of Cornelius gave himself to prayer. This man decided to break the idols off of his life that were Rome, even though he was employed by Rome, even though he was a centurion, even though he was of the army of Rome, and he began to seek God with all of his heart, and not only that, he was a man noted in Scripture again who sacrificially gave. And the Bible says that he gave alms, and so he gives this to other people willingly, And I want to say this, that giving is so closely associated with the activity of angels because giving shows that your your heart is really pure before God. You hold nothing back from Him. Do you remember the man who was rich in the world's eyes? He was called the rich young ruler. And Jesus said, when he came to him and he said, I want to follow you, I want to go go everywhere you go. And Jesus said, you know what? Uh, he, He kind of took him through a little bit of a spiritual test, and he was like, all those things I've kept from my youth up. And he could see he loved this guy. He's like, okay, there's only one thing that I can see that you need to do, and that is you need to take everything you have, sell it, give the proceeds to the poor, then come and follow me. And the Bible says this man went away sad because he was rich. You see, there was one thing. He was following God in everything, folks, except this one thing. And he would not. It's not that he could not. It's that he would not do what Jesus said. And the Bible says he turned around he walked away a sad man. I wonder what could have happened. Could he possibly have been one of the disciples? Had he only decided to do what Jesus asked him to do. Now, Jesus may not ask you to sell everything you have and give to the poor, but for that man, that's what he needed to do. How many of you know that... The devil hated for Peter to go down to these Gentiles, the people that were actually Jewish uh, enemies. Do you remember what Peter did to the Jewish enemies in the garden not too long prior? He cut off off the ear of a, a Jewish servant. He wanted to overthrow Rome way before Jesus knew him. 
yet he's changed. He's, he's so changed here, and he goes down to Cornelius' house, and he preaches to these Gentiles. Now, here's what happens to Peter. Before that ever even happens, God's speaking to Peter. God's given him a dream. He has a dream. He has a vision in the daytime where in a sheet there were all kinds of unclean animals. And the Bible says that he was told, arise, kill, and eat. Now, for a Jew to eat unclean animals, he's like, no, not not so. I am not going to do that. God forbid that I should eat anything unclean. And God said, do not call unclean what I have called clean. See, to the Jew, the Gentile was nobody to be messed with. You did not have dealings with the Gentiles. In fact, Samaritans were part Gentile, part Jew. And that's why they avoided them. A Jew would walk around Samaria to avoid them. But I want you to understand here, how many of you are glad that uh, Peter received that vision and he was obedient so that we could be brought into this kingdom of God? You know, all these blue-eyed Gentiles, hazel-eyed Gentiles, amen? The devil hated that. He hated for them to come into the house of God. How many of you know he also hates this hazel-eyed Gentile from preaching to all y'all Gentiles? He doesn't want that. One angel was activated on Cornelius' behalf, and that angel tells Cornelius, go down to Peter and hear what he had to say. Now look at verse uh, 34. And opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. But in every nation, somebody say every nation, the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching the peace through Jesus Christ, he is the Lord of all. You yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, Starting from Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed, you know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Verse 39, and we are witnesses of all the things he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, and they also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him up on the third day and granted that he should become visible, not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God, that is, to us, who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach to the people and to solemnly testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and of the dead. Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin. Have you believed in him? Have you believed in the name of Jesus? That means your sins are forgiven. Now, while Peter was still speaking these words, watch this, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. The Holy Spirit fell. Now, watch this. As Peter is preaching, there's no altar call. There's no major singing group. There's no uh, PA system. There's no nothing that we would have today to draw a crowd. But the Holy Spirit comes. 
Peter got up, and he simply began to preach. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit fell. Man, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will fall once again upon America. I believe that when angels get activated, we aren't going to have to do much more. Preach and see Him come. I want you to say this out loud. That's all Peter did. But there was something going on in Peter's life. And there was something going on in Cornelius' life that was a way of life. And that makes all the difference. You see, a lot of times I think today we want the power of God. We want God to move. We want angelic visitation. But we don't always comprehend what it takes to bring that. You see, nothing in the house of God or in the kingdom of God just happens like osmosis. Peter got up and he began to preach, but he had already had a vision of God. God had already told him what he needed to do. And he began to say, Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again from the dead. And all of a sudden, the whole group just started speaking in tongues of the Holy Spirit, gave him utterance. The Holy Spirit just began to fall. Here's how it happened. A man got his heart right with God. It was proven through his sacrificial giving, through his prayer to God, and an angel came to this man called Cornelius. Now, I also want you to look over now to the 12th chapter of Acts. And it's interesting to me that we're just reading chapter 10. Please walk with me on this. And there's only one chapter between chapter 10 and chapter 12. But as soon as you get into chapter 12, I want you to notice to me, or notice with me, how it opens. And I'm going to give you just a little bit of a clue. What happens in Acts chapter 11 is, is there is a, a debate that happens in chapter 11 as to whether or not the church should let these Gentile people in. The church in chapter Acts chapter 11 stopped praying. Now watch this. Do you know what happens when they started doing this? Look at verse 1. Now about that time, Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. Do you know what happened after the church started debating about whether these blue-eyed, hazel-eyed people ought to be brought into the church? They started arguing about whether we should let these Romans in. And what happened is there was a spirit of debate. There was a spirit of strife. There was a spirit of destruction 
that was let loose. Church, I want to tell you something. The devil needs no encouragement. The things that will discourage the devil is prayer, sacrificial giving, destroying defilement. But as soon as you begin to bite, backbite, talk about, argue about, debate, boy, the devil's right there. Can I get an amen? The Bible says this, do all things without grumbling or murmuring and complaining and without disputing. Don't allow a murmuring spirit to get into your spirit. In church, I'm sad to say that there are way too many Christians murmuring about the problems. Griping about the problems. But my question is, are you praying about the problems? Because that is where the battle is. Remember this. I've talked to you about this in the spirit realm. The, the, the weapons of our warfare are not of this world. They are mighty through God to pull down strongholds. Strongholds are thought processes that are not of God. And there are thought processes going on all over in our country that are not of God. What we've got to pray is that those will be confused and will be brought down. Are you with me? You see, a a murmuring, backbiting, questioning, finger-pointing spirit, if that spirit gets on you, do you know what that's like? If we allow that kind of a spirit to get on us, that is literally just like us saying, I invoke you, O spirit of destruction, to come and kill, steal, and destroy in my life. Because what we do is we set ourselves in agreement and in alignment with the devil. Notice this. The devil is not even, he's not even aligned with himself. The Bible says where there is, where there is uh, strife and division, there is every evil thing. And, and, and some people will do this in the, in the name of, of reason or clear thinking. I'm just thinking clear. Now listen, God is calling us, church. He's called us to a, a time of fasting and prayer. In fact, we're not necessarily a liturgical church. But in a liturgical church or those that kind of follow a liturgy or details of, of uh, how a service should go, are in Lent right now. I showed you a video that talked about Lent. Lent literally is, is just a remembering of Jesus when he was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and he began to pray. He was in the wilderness. He was alone. He fasted. And as he fasted, he prayed. But at the end of that fasting and at the end of that prayer, what came? The devil came. Temptation came. Trial came. Now, Jesus said this. In this world, you're going to have temptations. You're going to have trials. In church, the devil, the one thing about it, you can rely on him to tempt you. You can rely on him to cause problems. Right? Now, the Bible says that the Lord takes one man and lifts him up and then it says that he takes another man and puts him down. Everything is in the hand of God. And the Bible says that the nations, 
literally, are in the hand of Almighty God. The nations are in His hand. So today, I want you to understand today and, and say, I want you to say this with me, to trust in the Lord with all of my heart and lean not unto my own understanding. I think that, that we're, we're, we're getting sucked into trying to understand all the things that are going on with our own understanding. But I want you to know today that all we're seeing in the physical realm is simply a, a physical display of what's going on in the spirit. But I want to remind you, remember this, that when, when Elijah is with his servant, and, and he's saying, we're surrounded by all these, all these people. And he's like, Lord, open his eyes. He's like, no, there's more with us than there is with them. And his servant is looking in the natural. But the man of God is looking in the spirit. And I still want to remind you, only one-third of the angels fell with the devil. There's more with us than there are with them. Two-thirds of the angels did not fall. And so I want you to understand that, that we want to break this spirit of destruction. But watch how the church does this. Are you still with me? Look at Acts chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, Now about that time Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them, and he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. Here's one of the disciples. You have Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Here is James, one of the sons of thunder. What does the Bible say happened? He's put to death with a sword. Now, you know what that is? That's a spirit of destruction. And it came after the church began to debate. It came after the church stopped praying. It came after the church stopped doing what they were called to do. Now watch this. After that happened, guess what the church does? They stopped debating over whether or not we should allow these people into the church, and they called a prayer meeting. Now please understand, this is not some little group holding hands in a corner. By this time, they are a church of at least 20,000 believers in Jerusalem. That's a big church. Even today, that's a big church. They're holding a citywide prayer meeting from house to house as believers are gathering with one another. Now let's look together at verse 3. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, this is Herod, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now, it was during the days of unleavened bread. Now, why would, he, why would he get Peter? Church, I just want you to explain something. The church in Jerusalem had to have a pastor. Guess who their pastor was? It's Peter. Peter is pastoring the church in Jerusalem. So, because Herod sees that this is pleasing the Jews, that he kills James, one of the, the lead men. Can I, can I let you in on something? Jesus had 12 disciples, but in the 12, he had three that he was real close to. It was called the inner circle, and those consisted of Peter, James, and John, that James. James and John, the brothers, they were a part of the inner circle, and that's the one that got killed. Now look at verse 4. And when he had seized Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out before the people. That were 16 soldiers, four squads. Now, what do you think he's going to do with Peter? 
He's going to kill him just like he did James. So he saw that it pleased the Jews to kill James, so it would really please him if he killed the pastor of the church. Now I want you to notice verse 5. Let's look through verse 10. Beginning at verse 5, so Peter was kept in the prison, but, everybody say but. In fact, say this, but prayer. Prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God, and on the very night when Herod was about to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and guards in front of the door were watching over the prison. Everybody say, angels on the way. Uh, angels on their way. Watch this. Look at verse 7. Angels are on the way. Actually, just one. It's just amazing. It's just one. And behold, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared, and a light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter's side and roused him, saying, Get up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Gird yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so, and he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and continued to follow. And he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. And when they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate that leads into the city. Watch this. Which opened for them by itself. Just opens. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. What happened? Prayer was being made for him by the church. And the rest of the story goes, Peter, he's walking along the streets, and he finally goes up to one of the houses where they're praying for him. And out of the house comes one of the people, uh, a servant girl named Rhoda, and she sees Peter at the gate. And she's like, David Drew version, how'd you get out? He's like, it's me. And she goes inside, leaves him at the gate, doesn't even open the gate for him, doesn't even let him in, and comes into the house and says, hey, guys, we can stop praying. Peter's out front. And they're like, girl, you're crazy. You're crazy. They weren't even praying in good faith. They were praying fervently, but it must not have been in good enough faith to to see that here Peter is. Yet God had sent an angel in response to their prayer. Church, listen, when the Spirit of God begins to move upon the church to begin to pray, like Jesus prayed in the, in the, the wilderness, like Jesus prayed in the garden, like Jesus prayed in the morning, like Jesus prayed in the evening, like Jesus prayed before he did miracles, like Jesus prayed after he did miracles. When the church begins to pray like Jesus prayed, when the church begins to do what the early church did, God begins to show up. And when this church saw the spirit of destruction, the Bible says they got serious. They began to fervently pray. Not just pray, but fervently pray. And all of them came together today to pray. Now, I want to ask you this today. If you really believed that my life as your pastor was in danger, if you really, really, really believed that my life was in danger, how many of you would get serious about praying for me and my family? Now, I don't want to magnify the ability of the devil or the threats of the devil, but I want you to know something that that is true today, and I want you to hear me and, and open up your spiritual ears right now. 
preachers that preach like this, he hates us. And he will do everything he can to keep people from hearing it. Amen? The devil wants to cause harm to the kingdom of God. He wants to take out the people of God. He wants to cause harm to the church. And that is, that is, that's all I'm going to say about that. But I want to just say this, that if we do not, in 2023, begin to pray like this church prayed right here in Acts chapter 12 and keep God's angels not only over my life, but over this entire church and over this entire nation, we are in trouble as a nation. And I am preaching because we're in a war, folks. I am preaching today because all you have to do today to understand the devil wants to stop this church and every church that's preaching truth from doing anything for God that means anything. The devil would love to take this church out. But I love this passage. Here's this pastor. Here's this man of God, a disciple of Jesus. And he is sleeping on the night before he's supposed to get killed the next day. That's what was going to happen the next day, folks. He's chained with two chains between two guards. And guards are watching over them. And he's got so much peace that he's sleeping soundly in chains between two guards to the point, you know what, church? There are some people, they cannot sleep that sound on a Sealy Posturepedic with tranquilizers. God will give you such a peace. Did you even know the Bible talks about it? Man, if you're having trouble sleeping, do you know the Bible even talks about that? He says he, he gives to his beloved even in their sleep, and your sleep will be sweet. Church, I just believe you should pray about everything. Are you having trouble sleeping? You don't have to go to the doctor to figure it out. Go to, go to Dr. Jesus. Amen? Do you know I call this passage of Scripture the great escape? This is the biblical great escape. Before Steve McQueen, before there was ever even a movie called The Great Escape, God had already had one in the New Testament in the book of Acts. Listen, when God's angels come, you may be half asleep, and they may lead you by the hand, and they'll lead you through the valley of the shadow of death. And the devil just keep on jumping out of your way wherever they take you. And what the devil means to do to you, he can't do because prayer is being made for you. Now here, I want to I kind of uh, close this up. I want to show you today, I've talked about three things so far that will activate angels. Let me just put a caboose on it. But... If we will do these three, these five things, we're going to see the activity of angels increase. 
And that's what we need. Now, again, you don't pray to angels. That's, you, you, God is the, the, your father. God is the ultimate one you pray to. But the Bible says that he does send spirits, ministering spirits, to give service to those who are a part of the kingdom of God. In fact, he says, be aware, because sometimes you may be entertaining angels unaware. You don't even know they're an angel. Peter here, he wasn't even sure if what was happening was real or if he was having a vision. You see what I'm saying? So he was even not really understanding it. But the first thing you have to do is the first thing I talked about last week, and if you're going to write anything down, write these five things down. Destroy defilement. You have got to get idolatries broken off of your life. You've got to be sold out to God. Your, your, uh, your life has to be one that fears God and God only. You don't have to fear COVID. You don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear cancer. You don't have to fear any of those things. Fear God. Amen? Secondly, you've got to establish sacrificial giving as a part of your life. You see it in Hezekiah's life. You see it in Malachi's life. You see it in Cornelius' life. Folks, you even see it in Jesus' life. He was always giving. Think about what he did with five loaves and two fish. He didn't keep them. He blessed it, and he gave it. And the more he gave, the more came. And the more that came, the more came. Then to the point where the Bible says literally when Jesus gave, when he fed the 5,000 folks, that was literally Matthew chapter 3 or uh, Malachi chapter 3 in reality. That God poured out from heaven until you, there's not even room enough to receive it. In fact, hey guys, there's leftovers. I need all you 12 disciples to go grab a basket and pick up the leftovers. You see, God will multiply what we have been given. So we've got to destroy defilement, number one. Number two, we've got to have a life of sacrificial giving. And there must be, number three, a fervent commitment to prayer. Prayer. Folks, we have got to pray like never before. And that's what we're doing in this hour. Amen? We're praying that defilement is broken off of our nation. And then number four, this, this is what happens is, is number four, what happened is in the spirit realm, they bound the enemy. This is what Jesus said. Whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. Now, I'm going to go back a few, a few weeks, and I'm going to ask you, how many can one believer in Christ put to flight in the, in the kingdom? One can put 1,000 to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. And so if, if we will literally say, I bind the enemy off of my life, off of my church, off of my country, off of my nation, off of my loved ones, the enemy has to begin to respond. But here's the thing is the devil knows who belongs to God, who belongs to God and who doesn't belong to God. Remember that there were people, seven sons of one priest named Sceva, that tried to cast demons out of people. And they're like, I adjure you by the, the, the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. And the demons are like, hey, we know about Paul, and we know Jesus, but we don't know who you are. And that one man jumps on them who has those demons in him, jumps on seven men. One man beats up seven and leaves, strips them and leaves them beaten up in the, 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 on the ground. That's the power that these demons have, angels have. But we have got to begin to, to pray 
and bind, and it's got to be focused. It's got to be like a, like if we're talking using weapons, it's not a shotgun, it's a rifle. Our prayers are like a rifle that are pinpointed. Amen? Right now, could you, if, if set before a court of law, could you pinpoint what is wrong with America? I'm sad to say a lot of people would go political instead of spiritual. Because all that we're seeing political has its bearing in the spiritual. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. What are those? Fallen angels. When Daniel began to fast and pray, he set his heart for God to remove sin off of the nation, and God sent one angel. But that angel was hindered, the Bible said, for 21 days because of the prince of Persia that withstood him, and he only defeated him once Michael, the archangel, came, and he came as a result of the prayers. In fact, that one angel uh, came to, to Daniel, and he said, on the very first day that you set your heart to pray, I was sent, but I was being withstood by these principalities. In church, can I announce to you, do you know what the do you know what the prince of Persia is? Do you know what area that's over? Modern-day Iran and Iraq. That spirit is still activated. The same power, however, that was available to Daniel is available to us. And then the last thing in church, I want to tell you this, the devil hates this probably more than anything, and that is for God's people to praise God. And the reason I think he hates it so much is because he used to lead it in heaven. Praise is such an underestimated weapon. When the devil comes to you, and church, I'm telling you, the the news people are good about this. They're good about spreading negativity. They're they're good about telling you the bad. But I want to tell you something. What God is good about is he is good about saying, but in the midst of it all, I am over it all. So what we've got to begin to do, and this is what the Bible, this is what we're told to do in in the book of Psalms, oh, magnify the Lord with me. You know, I've been doing genealogy, and there was this little uh, merit of reward that my great-great-great-grandmother received. So, I mean, it was way back in the 1800s. It was way back. And on it, I noticed that I was trying to find the date that it was made because you don't see these little things anymore. It's called a merit of reward. And I, you know what I had to do? I had to get a magnifying glass. And it was one of those that also has a magnifier within the magnifier. And I had to use that to pull up the, the year 1862. It was always there. I just couldn't see it. Church, God is always here. The world just doesn't always see him. And so what the church has got to begin to do is magnify the Lord. So we've got to take out our spiritual magnifying glass and say, you know what I'm going to magnify? I'm not going to magnify all the problems that are going on in the world. I'm going to magnify the one who is over all the problems in the world. I'm going to magnify the one who can take care of all the problems in the world with just one angel. So 
What are we going to do about it? Let me close. What's number one? Destroy defilement. What's number two? Sacrificially give. What's number three? Prayer. What's number four? Bind the devil. Bind the enemy. What's number five? Praise. If we will put those things, I'm going to tell you something. If we will put those and keep those active in our life, you will see God begin to release the angels like never before. This is what America needs. This is why we're doing what we're doing. This is why I'm asking you to take one meal, just one, just one meal out of a day. That's all I'm asking. Not even a 24-hour fast, just a one-meal fast, whatever it's breakfast, supper, or lunch, whichever it is. And you take, instead of eating, you begin to pray and begin to do it fervently. Sometimes it might be, a, a, you might be praying 10 minutes. Sometimes you might be praying an hour. But whatever it is, begin to pray. Begin to pray over every church that the pastors would preach the Word of God. That you begin to pray over all the schools that God would begin to fall upon our young people. That you will begin to pray over our, our leaders that God will begin to show Himself real to them. Folks, I'm telling you today that it, 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 it literally, uh, one, of, one of the greatest writers in all of history was C.S. Lewis. But do you know that before C.S. Lewis believed in God, he was, he was raised as a Christian, but his mom died from cancer. He believed, oh, well, if God can't heal from cancer, then there must not be a God. He became an atheist. And ultimately, there was another guy you might have heard of called J.R.R. Tolkien. He might, you know, the Lord of the Rings and all that. Those guys were friends. Tolkien knew God. Tolkien began to talk to C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis ultimately left being an atheist and became a, a Christian. He wrote the, the book Mere Christianity. He wrote the books The Chronicles of Narnia. Listen, folks, he found out. He went from, he went from believing to not believing to saying there is only one way, and it's God. And God alone. So what I'm saying to you today is even the hardest person, even those that may be actively going against God, God will turn them around just like he did Saul, just, just like he's done so many people in the past. Amen? And he can do it again today. And if the church will just, just stand up and do what God has called us to do, we're going to see breakthroughs like we've never seen before. I hope you got something out of this today. I've preached it the best way I know. And... uh I want you to bow with me in prayer. Father, today as we leave this place, I pray that we will not leave this message and the message will not leave us. I pray, Lord, that we will do everything we can to stay away from discouraging things, discouraging words, discouraging thoughts, arguments, things, Lord, that would cause a spirit of destruction to come around, disagreements, disputes, strife, division. We bind it all in the name of Jesus and we loose your presence, Lord. We lose your presence, first of all, through our prayers, Lord God, by breaking off defilement in our life. Whatever we see that is sin, Lord, we break it off. We ask you to remove it. When we're fasting and praying in our meals during this week, Lord, we ask that you would show us if there's something we need to change and that you would help us get right. Lord, we also pray that you would break off all of the defilement in our, in our nation, Lord God, that is holding, holding back the the angels of God, and we pray, Lord, that those things would be broken off, that we would pray, breaking those spiritual 
bondages, Lord. We would give over and above, Lord, to see people come to the name, to the, to the house of God, and that the name of God would be glorified. Father, we pray that as we, as we literally come together and bind the devil, Lord, in our prayer time, Lord Jesus, that the principalities and powers would be broken off of those, those people, Lord, that he has their minds and their eyes blinded. And I pray, Lord God, that as we praise you, we would go into a new realm of praise, that our, our praise, Lord, would magnify you like never before today. Father, I pray that you'd put it in us, place it in us like never before. In Jesus' name we ask it. And the people of God, would you just say amen? The rest is up to us and God. I leave you with this. God knows the future as well as we know the past and even better. So when you leave this place, know that you go with God. And literally, you will hear that often. Go with God. I truly mean it. Go with God and let him go with you. Love you guys. See you next Sunday. God bless you. You're dismissed. Jesus.